Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Komen, sitting in my safe house on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, what's going on? Not too much, man. Just uh, been looking forward to tonight. Haven't had a cocktail in a few days, so um, I'm, what's uh, wrong with you? I know, I know. Well, you know, I, I had a few uh, last week and uh, one day, and I think I might have gotten a hold of some bad tonic or bad uh, soda is what I meant to say because uh, it just didn't sit with me right, you know. So I figured, well, let me give myself a few days to recover from this this bad soda, and uh, you know, seems to be sitting pretty good right now. Okay, well, you know. Um... That could be a whole part of what's going on in our world today. But you know, Renee, I'm excited about tonight okay? because um, you might not know this, but I am back in the ring room. You are? Yes, I am wow. back in our ring room. Wow. And uh, it's, you know, uh, the ring room is going through their phase one. Uh-huh. You know, while the city's getting ready to go to phase two, the ring room is in phase one. Mm-hmm. which means uh, uh, I've, I've actually come here. I started coming back on Monday and uh, it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's very um, lonely. Well, it's very lonely at times. The bar is not open. So okay. I brought a, I brought a flask. Okay. Um, Midnight <laughs> Cowboy I've seen all week. He's been really? here all week, the Midnight wow. Cowboy. I wonder if they made him leave or if he's been there the whole time <laughs> well, by himself, just roaming um, the halls. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. You know, he, he slips in and out. Uh, I don't talk to him much. We never really talk to him much. He's but a he's slippery a good, fellow. Yeah, he, he's a good guy. But it's, it's yep. great to see these, uh, uh, these walls here and the photos here. and The hallowed halls. The, the hallowed room. halls. And it's also, it was great pulling up. And and seeing the uh, Hard Rock Hotel, and yep. uh, just it, the way it, we left it. Yeah, it's it looks exactly the same. <laughs> okay, you know, it looks like a a, a, a day old or, or three day old uh, pastrami sandwich that was never eaten. You know. <laughs> okay. And, um, but uh, you know they have there's some rules here. You know, I I came on Monday with their new rules. You know, you have to have your temperature taken. Hmm. When you is that orally? In. No, they have the no. Uh, they have that thing where they 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 put that little gun uh, right at your forehead. Oh, okay, it, okay. And it kind of reads your um, your temperature. Okay. And uh, and you know who's doing that? Uh, our, our our old friend, uh, the bartender. I, I forget her name right now, but um, is it Nicole? Yeah, yeah. She's the one okay. who's doing that. She's at the all right. Room. She's got a light touch. She's got yeah, a heavy she, pour, but a light touch. Exa- and that's what we like. You know, yes. That's what we like. Uh, she's she's going to be very happy because I think next week they're going to go into their own phase two where she'll be able to get behind the bar again. Okay. Slinging drinks. But the one thing that's going on in phase one here at the ring room is um, it's strictly right now, and it will be for a while, for members only. So oh, you're not okay. welcome here. You're, you All can't right. come here. I never yeah. really was welcome there. I was yeah. just kind of well, uh, you know, yeah. sneaking in. <laughs> yeah, I was sneaking. You were sneaking in with me. Yes. But even like, fam- my, if I had family members who wanted to come, uh, they would not be able to come. It's okay. strictly members only. And there's a new rule now too. Uh, for for the for the time being, as far as phase one, no Jews allowed either. Okay, so, well there you go. So it's a double yeah, whammy yeah, for yeah. me, huh? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, that's what's going on. I now, mean, 
if you want to join the ring room, if you want to become a member, then you can come right in. There'd be no problem. Yeah, no, no. That, yeah, can't can't do that. Can't do it. Um, because but, you're too uh, cheap. You're too cheap to join. Well, no, no, no. Uh, we, we have other obligations that uh, I, I can't divulge. But uh, my, my family's uh, affiliation is is, uh, is is other 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 otherwise uh, committed. Um, a question. So, so when you think uh, phase two happens, or, or what point do you think they're going to let let uh, non-members back in, so we can start doing the uh, Troubled Men podcast? In the I, I, I actually on Monday I was talking to some of the front desk people, um, and I don't see that happening very anytime soon. Okay, all right. I don't, I don't think that's at least not till maybe August or September. Okay. It all depends. It all depends on what goes on. Right in the next few weeks because as you've already seen the stupidity of so many people in this country went out and said ah we're fine we're fine and our fearless leader said we're fine we're fine mm -hmm. and now there are more covid cases in states that thought they were fine and they're not so fine right right yeah, yeah i saw the map of the, all the states where they have uh increasing cases and yeah. surprisingly you know the the three southern states that are at the bottom of every list, you know, uh, Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, uh, and and I think this includes Alabama. Some of these these uh, southern states were not in the list, so Louisiana is not in. We're, we're continue to decrease cases, whereas the whole west, uh, southwest, and midwest is all red. Well, those all states. Increasing. Well, those states on Memorial Weekend, like Texas, Arkansas, Florida, that opened up, like saying we we don't have a problem. Those are the people who have problems now. You right. know? Yes, Arkansas is in that number. I I, I named yeah. them as one that was not, but you're right. It, yes, they're right. Increasing. And of course, you know they want to open up. It's all about money, you know. Right. Uh, but like you know, I'm thinking, you know, Disney World's back open. I, I mean, I don't know how they're going to do that. How how are they going to open this? You know the the Disneyland, Disney World. I I just don't see them doing it. How are they going to separate people? How are they going to get people on the rides? Um, it's weird. It's just very strange how they think they're going to do it. But they want to they want to do it. They want to make money, and it's all about the dollar. But you don't you know, you've never been to Disney World or anything like that. Um, I, I went to the one in uh, California one time. Oh, okay, yeah. You went um, to Disneyland. Disneyland, yes. But you've never taken your kids or anything like that. No, no, no. They've they've been, I think, uh, to some of those things with like their band trip or so something. So you went to you know? Disneyland without your kids? Yeah, it was way before I had kids. I don't. Oh, yeah, okay. I might have just been newly married or something at that time. Uh -huh. um, it was it one time lasted me a lifetime. We, uh -huh. well, you know, you know what I, I've noticed about people going out is you notice a, a lot of people are wearing masks, and then you see a lot of other people that almost pointedly are not wearing masks. It's, and they kind of have a look in their eye, like, "Yeah, fuck you, I'm not wearing a mask." It's it's become a bit of a political sort of expression. I think. Well, good. It's been nice knowing them, I guess. Is that what I have to say to that? Right. You know? And and along those lines, I see that uh, that the, the leader, fearless leader, is going to start the rallies up, his campaign rallies up. And good. of course, I hope he does it and they all get sick. Of course, they're going to be there with no masks on because again, it's, it's, it seems like it's either uh, you, you have a mask or a MAGA hat, you know, it's one right. or the other. So, you know, if, if you don't have a mask, but you have that look in your eye. You may as your your MAGA hats back in the car, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, but so uh, what's been going on though? I mean, that's uh, the COVID thing is still going on, and and but the the protests and the riots, the riots, protests, are the, mostly know. protests and and police attacking protesters. That's what that's what you're really seeing. You know, right after the first couple of nights where there you know, did have some unrest, it's been remarkably uh, peaceful, except for the police who have been remarkably uh, combative and. Uh, you know, if, if, if you were a police officer trying to, to prove how really police aren't that bad, I don't know how, why you would choose that method to, uh, to try to demonstrate that on you know, worldwide television. You know you're being filmed. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the police all over the country, all over the world. But, of course, you know, the protest uh, is going on. I think it's beautiful. I think the riots are beautiful. But, of course, um, New Orleans got it all wrong. As always, you know they don't know how to protest. Um, they, they, a couple of people went and got on the freeway, right, to, to stop traffic. Yes, my know. family was up there that night. Actually, oh really? Yeah. Were you there? Your whole family? I was not there. No, we were doing the podcast that night. Oh, so so you know, I, I think that was a you know big fucking deal. You went and stopped traffic. You know, a hundred, two hundred people go there. You know, it only, I could go up there by myself and stop traffic. Yes. You know. You know. Yeah. Yes. You don't it's need happened before. It's happened you don't before. Need, yeah, you don't need 200 people to go stop traffic. One person can go stop traffic. Right. You know, what, what this city doesn't realize is like, you know, uh, you need to destroy things. You need to fucking violent revolution. And that's what's going on in other cities except this city's. Well, yeah. they, they, they haven't been. Actually, most, uh, most places have been peaceful for the last six or seven days, it seems like. Um, well, it seems like. But, you know. I've always believed this. Uh, in order to rebuild, you have to destroy first. Some creative destruction. Yeah, you have to do that, and mm -hmm. I've been doing that. You know, and that's what, and that'll make relationships better with uh, your your police departments, your cities, and uh, your relationships. Because uh, I, I've always, when it comes to relationships, I've always destroyed them. Yes. Uh, before I've uh, rebuilt them, and. Yes. Uh, you know, get it together, New Orleans. Get it together, New Orleans. You know, <laughs> the people on the overpass going, uh, walking on the way to the bridge did manage to uh, get shot out by at by the police. Good uh, with with, uh, with rubber bullets and tear gas. In fact, a, a lusher teacher got hit in the head with a tear gas canister and wound up going to the hospital with a fractured skull. Yeah, I know. Well, that's that's what happens, man. That's anarchy. It's Good. crazy. Well, you know, when I heard my children were up there, I was like, oh, my God, you know, you can't trust the New Orleans Police Department. Jesus Christ, they're capable of anything. Well, no, you, I feel that the, what would have always said, the one thing they're good at is that crowd control. And apparently they couldn't ha handle it this time. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, you're right. Because, yeah, they, because they there, was no, there was no beads being thrown or, and there were yeah. no parades and stuff like that. or There was no second line in music. It was angry people protesting. They couldn't handle it. Yeah, they, yeah, they're a mess, man. They're a mess, you know. Yeah, they started uh, panicking for yeah, sure. Yeah, they started panicking. And, of course, uh, the protesters were trying to get over the bridge to the, uh, the other parish, the Jefferson Parish, and, and that was not going to happen. Right. Well, I'm guys, glad they didn't get over there because what would, what would you do once you're over there? Those, those guys are ten You would have to work. Uber back home is what you yeah. have to do. Yeah, it'd be crazy. To Uber back home, but you know, uh, speaking of your kids, so your kids were there and stuff like that. Yes. Um, um, 
I'm trying to explain this to my kid. And, you know, I grew up in the L.A. riots, you know, the, the Watts riots, the Compton riots uh, right. back in Los Angeles, uh, the Venice ghost town riots and stuff mm. like that. I was there for all that stuff. OK. And uh, so I'm trying to explain to her um, you know, how to deal with this because she's asking me questions. And I just basically told her this was my advice to to my daughter. I just said, start listening to N.W.A. and Public Enemy. That's okay. basically what I told her. That's all right. she needs to know, because those two bands are fucking great, and, and, and they, they, they fuck the authority, all their raps about fucking the authority and fuck the police. And fuck I, the police, yes. Yeah. That's the operative phrase. You know, we have, there's a lot of phrases concerning the police, defund the police and you know, reform the police, but fuck the police was the original, the real catchy version right. of that, right? Yeah. Well, this whole thing, defund, that's not going to happen. Come on. You're not gonna what? Just get rid of uh, law enforcement? Or, or right, right. Well, it's it's. Yeah. I guess it's a more nuanced uh, proposal than that. Yeah. But but I thought fuck the police kind of summed it all up, you know, in, in a nice, uh, tight little package. Right. Well, you know, I'm glad I'm the age I am now because if I was like uh, had the attitude that I had in my 20s and and this was going on, you know, I'd probably be in jail right now, or I'd be yeah. you know, wanted. You know, right. for burning things down, you know. I so maybe uh, burn exactly. So why don't we? Since we had this delay, why don't we get our guest on the show? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, so our, our guest is a terrific musician, a guitar player. I know him as a as a piano player, keyboard player primarily. But uh, he lived in New Orleans for a long time. I think he's from Baton Rouge. Um. He's he's more recently gotten into a doing a lot of film composition, um, also a very talented graphic designer. Uh, we'll get into all that. So without further ado, Mr. Casey Wayne McAllister. Welcome, Casey. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet uh, Manny Chevrolet. Uh, I'm already a fan of Renee's, so this is great. Yes, Hello. and you're a fan of Manny's political campaigns. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm aware of uh, Manny as our next mayor of New Orleans. Yeah, yes. that yeah. when you okay when it hits the fan, you know that I'm elected. It's going to hit the fan when I'm elected. Baby. <laughs> you know. Um, so, Casey, I was looking back over your your uh, you know your history here, and a bunch of those bands. Uh, you know, you were I became aware of you playing it when you were with uh, Hooray for the Riff Raff and the Special Men. But then, mm -hmm. looking back, you were you played in Liquidrome, Liquidrone, and the New Orleans Bingo Show as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two, two different versions of Liquidrone. I played guitar in that band when it was uh, horn based, and then it was sort of re like the it kind of went down and came back up and re exploded as sort of a. a partially electronic sort of freak mm -hmm. show uh, right. band. And, and then that version I played uh, mostly organ. and a lot Okay. Of that's toys. the version I was aware of, but I didn't know you then. I, I I'm sure I saw you playing with them, but you know, it just, it, it didn't register. Yep. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that was a very cool scene that, that uh, Clint Magian had with, with those two very different bands, but. Uh, oh man, such a good time. Yeah. Those, um, didn't the bingo show, didn't you, I know, I've only, I've been here since 2000, the year 2000, but 
I re- didn't the bingo show play at some uh, a chick a, a restaurant that sold a really good chicken? Yeah, that that Federico's wasn't that it? Or Ferrielli's or something like that. Or... Fiorella's. Fiorella's. Thank you. That's it. Yeah, Federico's. <laughs> on uh, on yes. Lower Decatur Street, which right. was the center of, center of the universe at that time. Um, yeah. Yeah, they started there. We were still doing bingo. I wasn't. I mean, liquid drawing. I wasn't in bingo yet. Uh, okay. It was mostly him and like uh, I think uh, Steve from the '40s, uh, mm-hmm. our drummer Ryan, and uh, a few other people. And then um, when at some point, I forget exactly when. I'm bad with years and whatnot. But at some point, they uh, it sort of emerged from Fiorella's, and uh, that was my favorite version. Was uh, we, we had a as good a time as I had playing in that band. I, my favorite version was the version just before I came in, uh, when it was real scrappy at Fiorella's. Uh, we tightened it up a whole lot after that. Huh. Okay. Mm. Well, that was a lot of fun to go see those shows. I got to say, man, it was a, uh, it was very intimate atmosphere and, and yeah. well, those were fun I, shows to play, man. I um, never saw any of those shows, but I had some of that chicken and it was pretty good. Yeah, Came you like the, the chicken. Yeah. Stayed for the chicken. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you are you from Baton Rouge? Is that correct? I'm from Baton Rouge. Uh, the main reason I ended up in New Orleans was uh, probably Liquid Drone originally, like '99 or so. I started coming down here a lot. We were playing like at Cafe Brazil and like Dragons Den and uh, all these places and. Um, so I ended up, our drummer at the time was this guy, Jody. I started playing in, in a band with Jody in another band. So, and then people that I met from Liquid Drone, I started playing with them here, there, and yonder, and ended up being where I was uh, just in New Orleans a lot. And then, so after I went through this breakup with the girl I lived in in Baton Rouge, and I just kind of stopped coming home at some point, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, then I lived in New Orleans. But yeah, that was with Liquid Road. Uh, it started that whole deal. Now, cool. now you're from Baton Rouge, and just like so many people down here, um, let's go back to your childhood. Um, you you learned to play piano at a very young age, I'm sure, right? Kind of, yeah. I mean, like I had, uh, you know, I had some piano training when I was. Uh, now, were your parents musical? My dad is uh, a songwriter and a guitar player, um, mostly in like folk and country sort of styles, like bluegrass, Western swing. He was way into a lot of that when I was a kid. So he was jamming with friends, you know, while you were a kid. Constantly. Yeah. Yeah. In your, on the back porch or in the garage or something like that. Completely, man. They'd have these uh, sometimes small, often really large things. There was a core kind of group and then who knows who would show up at any time. And they're, you know, whoever was playing was in a giant circle. And then in the other room was their boyfriends and girlfriends and spouses and whatnot, drinking and cooking. And it was, you know, exactly what you think of when you think of a Louisiana, South Louisiana music get get together gathering thing, you know? Right. Uh, And and all the kids are just running around. Yeah. Um, And I eventually sort of made my way into the circle there. Into the music room. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Dobro. Let me ask you oh, something. Cool. You're, you're from Baton Rouge, which is the state capital. 
And I have this theory that all state capitals are really horrible places to grow up. <laughs> uh, what's, uh, what's your feeling about it? Well, I got out of there as soon as I could. Okay. Well, not, well, as, not, not as actually not as soon as I could, I guess. Uh, you know, a lot of times you don't know if something's good or bad because you've never uh, seen the other side, sort of deal. Right. Um, of course, growing up in Baton Rouge, you're in New Orleans for this, that, or the other the whole time. Uh, and then going down there to play music, and uh, I don't know. At some point, it seemed like, man, you could just go live there. Right. And uh, that even though you're happened. only 45 minutes away, you know, it's not the same. Yeah. Right. You don't want to drive home after the bar. I mean, though, we did many times. Um, but, uh, you know, I, and you've got like this band or this girlfriend or whatever. So you don't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and at, at some point I kind of found myself where I was like the band. I was in this band, the Myrtles, great band, uh, Baton Rouge band. But mm-hmm. at the at the time, it was like. um they were kind of not doing a whole lot. And it was just like, now's my chance. It was just like, so yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't really think Baton Rouge was a horrible place to be. I had a great time in high school and and all of that until I started, you know, realizing that, you know, man, I'm spending four nights a week in new Orleans, just either doing a show or going and sitting in on somebody else's show or whatever. Uh, You know, like, why do I have to drive to go do that? Like I could just, you know, be where that's happening and it's not such a big deal. Um, and then and, at that point I started being kind of a little more down on, on Baton Rouge. And you immediately found work with a whole bunch of different bands. Like, cause you know, uh, you were playing in those two groups and other people saw you. I know at some point, uh, Jimmy Horn, uh, uh, I met Jimmy Horn, stuff. yeah, Jimmy Horn, like really early on. Liquid Drone would play at uh, the Matador on Tuesday nights, a mm-hmm. lot of not every Tuesday, but a lot of Tuesdays, because uh, that's the only night they'd give us. And um, and early on Tuesdays was the Ass Men, which is a sort of proto Special Men. Okay. Um, and uh, Jimmy Horn played piano at that point. Huh. And uh, Clint would play with both bands. So uh, I remember I would go down there and, and, and get there early a couple of times to see the ass man. And I met Jimmy rolling a piano. We rolled a piano up Decatur street. So he oh, wow. at the Matador. Um, but it was, you know, I've mainly played with those bands for a really long time. Uh, uh, at some point, you know, I'd always sort of lusted to play, to get my hands on Luke Allen's songs. You know, I, I wanted to play anything in that band. Just, yeah. I, loved those songs and uh one night at circle bar my wife stephanie and i were there and he had a record that was not out yet they just were trying to figure out the sequencing of it and as usual the bar had closed this is how late it was the circle bar had closed Uh um pretty late was and luke was finishing up the bar and we he would just lock us in and we would all hang out and um I think that at about, you know, five, six in the morning, uh, I was just like, I just stopped, I told him to press stop. I was like, man, when are you just going to let me join the band, dude? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I didn't realize the, um, I, I didn't realize the funky spot that that would put him and, and Clint in because it never occurred to me that you could not play in two bands at the same time. But yeah. um, apparently that was. I, I heard after the fact that was weird on those two guys, but I mean, you know, whatever bands, right. I mean, 
Right. They worked it all out ultimately. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I was I was thinking of like going through all this and thinking about being a sideman, which is always how I I pretty much function well. Yeah. You know? And you know, you've done you've been so successful at, at being a sideman. There's a lot of great things about it. And in fact, uh, you know, you don't I have to run a band. You don't have to run a band. That's one thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, one thing is for sure is that you're always, uh, you know, operating at the pleasure of someone else. And, you know, your tenure there could end at any moment. It could be based on, uh, somebody <laughs> having a, a new management company or a, a new, uh, boyfriend or girlfriend or exactly you know, any, or just waking any, up on whatever side of the bed that day man like, right yeah any number of unreal totally unreal things unrelated to your playing well, you or, know, the, but the the nature of a songwriter or the nature of any artist uh and I, I don't know why i say that as though it excludes sidemen because i think there's an extreme artistry to sidemaning but oh sure um i get but I get in, in any know. in any sort of auteur sort of songwriter you know like i'm only work on music that is mine i, I don't know why that comes with an accent but um, <laughs> but you know it, it's uh it those people uh, in order i th- in order for them to do their thing man they have to be sort of fluid you know and they've got to be able to like you know there's a lot of things I don't know that I, 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 I try not to put on those guys just because of that, that, that I, I might have in the past. I don't know. The the yeah. more, I, the more I do this, the less sort of hung up I get on the main dude in the band being sort of a weirdo, you know, and the more I sort of like uh, freak out. It. I, I want it, dude. You're right. Know, right, like, right. <laughs> um, you know, somebody's like, got to bring that weirdo energy, please, <laughs> man. I mean, you know, like, the funnest part of being a side man is like you're essentially scoring their weird weirdness, you know, like, uh, yes. <laughs> so you, you know that, um, well, and it is fun, right? It's like, okay, we're, 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 we're walking into this scene today and how do we finish the scene off? You know, what dressing exactly. needs to be done? Uh, you know, what role should I paint my, for myself based sure. on what's already here? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's and I, I, like, and a I puzzle. couldn't, and I could not run a band, man. Like I just could not do it. You've got to deal with too many musicians, and and you know, then then and, and everybody else that comes along. I, I'm just I'm absolutely no good at that. Um, right. Well, I'm good at dealing you... with my friends, you know, like my buddy. Okay. I can, so, but right now, you know, like side right now is a really weird time uh, because, like, if you're a songwriter, if if you're you can say, well, I'm gonna Venmo a set from my living room and take. Or I'm not. I'm going to do. I'm going to stream a set, and I can take Venmo tips or whatever. Your yeah. side, man, man, you really kind of can't do that. I mean, nobody, nobody's going to like tune in to just watch you play piano for a little while, unless you're like some piano ver. Like Andre Boren's been doing this really beautiful piano breaks where he's just incredible, or Paxson or somebody. But like, right. you're just like a guy from a band that plays. You know, like what? What do you right. Mean? Nobody wants to watch you comp for an hour. Yeah. Hey, I don't want to ask them to. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to sit there and comp by yourself for an hour. Although, yeah, yeah. if yeah. I knew somebody who was really just had a great pocket on them, like I would watch them comp for three hours. Sure. 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 But you know, it's uh, it's, like everybody's gonna lose. Everybody's gonna lose interest. Exactly. Sure. Well. Um, so. Go ahead. Oh no no. Oh, I was gonna say. Uh, so uh, along the, the the lines of all these bands, you fall in with, with this uh, bunch, Hooray for the Riff Raff. Yeah. 
which is kind of starts off as like kind of a front porch band almost, right? Uh, I mean, you know, those, yeah. you know those can... guys the, or the, the their origins a lot better than I do. Um, yeah, but that's well, the impression that I always got that it was kind of like a very organic thing of people sitting around each other's houses and people just kind of fell into the band and yeah, kind of evolved totally. uh, organically. You know, I, I was a big fan of, I'd seen Alinda, uh, I'd seen Linda playing in Walt's band. Why are we building such a big ship? Okay. Um, and I am a gigantic fan of anything Walt McClements does. He's one of the most talented people I've ever met. And so Stephanie and I would go see his bands and, um, and I, Alinda said, and, um, she played one of her songs at the, anyway, I, I started seeing her around and she was playing these amazing songs, but I didn't know her. And then Andy Beiser was managing her at the time. And he, she had done this record where Sam Doors had played a bunch of vintage keyboards and stuff. And, uh, Andy Beiser was, was like, man, you should, you should join hooray. They need somebody to do these. I was like, man, I, I love that band and i love alinda but uh you know I, I don't know how you're assuming what i do would make that any better i mean sure i could play along but like uh, you know and he's like come to my house on tuesday so I, I go to his house on uh i believe it really was a tuesday actually and um and he played uh the rough mixes from this record that they were been working on and it was um right up my alley it was like a no-brainer so um okay. I was really sort of, and then we made another record after that, but, um, yeah, man, her, she's one of my, I, 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 I would say favorite songwriters in new Orleans, but you know, she's written some songs that are just my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's a tremendous talent. And during the time uh, we were out doing some dates together with the iguanas, we're playing a, a few festival dates where we cross paths with, with oh, that yeah. band when you, you were out there with those guys. And on that same summer, I think that might have been uh, 2015 or something, uh, the Hooray for the Riff Raff was playing a lot of national, like uh, like you did the Letterman show or or, yeah. or, uh, or maybe, or, uh, you know, Conan or something. We did both of um, those. Both of those. What was that like? Was that the, the, have you played on those shows other than that? Since then, I've done Conan a couple of times. And then I've also done uh, CBS either Saturday or Sunday, whichever morning. Hooray mm -hmm. had done that, and I've gone back and done that with a different band. But um, but Letterman, man, we got in under the wire. Yes. And uh, I tell you, man, he was ready for it to end. I believe when we were there. <laughs> yeah. I rode an elevator with him, and uh, just the two of us. And uh, I just I don't know if I've ever felt that degree of depression uh really off of another person like <laughs> just dread just punching the card at that point man just not into it at all uh a w great job hosting the show but uh yeah just... what year was this uh what 2014 15 something oh yeah like that, he, he, he was he was ready he was ready to he was fight. it was like the last year i think uh, it was oh, less okay. yeah he was not happy about it at all um, but we had a good time on the show. Nice. Paul Schaefer nice. was a uh, really funny. Um, he 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 got there after we'd been, and that show. It, the, the difference between it and Conan couldn't be more uh, contrasted. It, it's a huh. the Letterman show feels like it's just it might not come off. I mean, the whole thing is loosely strung together. Really? Um, 
Yeah, like I mean, I'm sure that it's not that way. I'm sure that's kind of cultivated, but um, like we needed a sustain pedal, and they're like, um, "Oh, don't worry, you'll get a sustain pedal." But it was a very specific one that only worked with you know this one. It wasn't. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, sure enough, we got it, but we got it like two minutes before we went on. So it was, you know, it, it, and that was just sort of emblematic of a lot of other things that happened during that. But it was, it was a lot of fun. But I was, the the backs, you have these little backstage rooms and whatnot, but there's a, a sort of a main backstage room right by the entrance and, and the street is right there. Yes. Um, and so I was sitting in there by myself and Paul comes in and the dude is pickled, man. I mean, he's just from... <laughs> I yeah I don't he's like I guy he he hadn't his combination hadn't hit yet or something I'm not sure but he's you know he's um he's barely he's moving he's like a zombie and uh he, and we had to talk for a minute there but uh that that was really really interesting being close to that guy for a few hours so what was uh, craft services like in your green room for the Letterman shows as opposed to Conan show. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, well, at Letterman, it was just what what's on our rider, like our tour rider, which is very you know like some hummus, a couple of you know a veggie tray, uh-huh. maybe some maybe a couple of chocolate bars. Okay, Conan is completely different, man. That's like the most pro operation I've ever seen. They're like uh, they have like anything you want to eat. They've got like you know twenty kinds of coffee. It's, there's massage chairs. It's, it's, oh it's, wow! Really. Yeah, it's on the Warner Brothers lot, so it's just all of the anything anybody gets that works on the Warner Brothers lot, you know. But um, did they have free cigarettes? <laughs> I did not see cigarettes. Oh wait, 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 wait! It was a problem. So, so Conan's <laughs> doing his show from L.A. now, or yeah, for okay. for some time now, I believe. Okay, because I yeah, I always I, he was in New York for a while. Then he didn't get the the big gig that he wanted. And right. Then he, went, then he went to TBS. So. Since he's been at TBS, he's been in LA, I guess, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I don't, okay. Yeah, I don't know the network. Um, their crew was so so cool. Like uh, the second time I went in there, I was with Langhorn Slim, and uh, and then the third time was Langhorn Slim as well. And uh, they, you know, they have bands on that thing every night, man. Yeah. And, and like when I came in with Langhorn, one of the crew guys was like, "Wait, you're not in this band. You're in a different band." I was on here two years ago for one night, like you know. And wow, they remember, remember. They but you're it. you're there all day, you know. So the the third time we were there, it was like we felt like we were pros, you know. We were just and you were there all day. There's a lot of waiting around after you do your bit. So uh, after you sound check, so we're like sitting on the back dock, you know, like just hanging out, like whatever. And uh, their guy, their music guys are waiting around too. So we ended up having this huge like picking session on the back dock for like three hours or something. It was, it was nuts. Um, because those yeah, those late good. night shows are taped around what six p.m. or something like that. It's you know they both went about the same way. For we got there really early in the morning and sound check, and then you wait for all day yeah well that's typical hollywood hurry up and wait yeah and then they shoot at like four or something right they shoot and then if they fuck up they do some kind of reshoot on some certain things like that they do that and then they go to air whenever yeah it's 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 uh it's all they have to like 
check all the jokes and everything in between. Like Conan did a whole different like earlier, like going through the jokes and they sent me whatever. And then when he goes out there, he just improvs and none of the stuff was right. was in there. Right. None of the stuff that they spent all day, you know, hashing wow. out. Like um, some guy in the audience did something funny and he spent the whole monologue making fun of that guy. Well, yeah, because, you know, he's got a team of writers and they, they write the monologue, they write whatever stuff for the guest. And then, you know, they do the show and they're like, ah, we could do better. And then they do these rewrites and blah, blah, blah. And it's all edited. I mean, it's, I mean, it's so fake in so many ways, which Hollywood is fake. Which uh, is what I expected. But when he went out and then just made it up on the spot for yeah. what ended up being the show, I was like, I didn't, you know, on one hand, I'm like, I, I guess I'm glad that y'all uh, rehearsed and prepared and hashed and rehashed and rewrote everything else. But like, it's also, I don't know. I was pretty impressed that he was able to go out there and, um, and, and then just do, like threw all that away and just went, you know, do it off the cuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what was Andy Richter like? I don't know. I only saw him for a second. I was in the massage chair and my eyes were closed and I was digging <laughs> it. And right when it, it comes to an end, you know, the, the chair like lays back and you're like strapped into this chair. Right. Yeah. It's a. It, it, and then it's go. It's doing its thing. It takes like ten minutes, fifteen minutes for the full thing. And when I opened my eyes, he was he was uh, just he leaning over my face, like waiting for me to sort of come back, come back to life there. Oh wow! And uh, so was, yeah, this show joke. this shows at the Warner Brothers in Burbank or the Warner Brothers in Hollywood. Burbank. Burbank. Okay, the Burbank one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because the, there's a Warner Brothers lot off of Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood, or kind of West Hollywood, mm -hmm. where uh, for years, I don't know how it is now, I'm sure it's all cleaned up, but that area where the lot was, where the, the old Pussycat Theater was, where Deep Throat premiered and stuff like that. I mean, well, you know, it, I'm guessing. Sketchy, sketchy, sketchy area. I, you know, I. I say that. It might have been. I, I, I assumed it was Burbank. I don't know why, but. Uh... I'm not it sure what you like Burbank because that's where Johnny did his Johnny Carson did a show and Jay Leno did a show was in Burbank. It and, must have been Burbank. Yeah, but there's also people don't realize this in the Burbank area. Now I don't know how it is now because I haven't been back in quite a long time. But there were actual lots little lots of little motels around the <laughs> Burbank studios where a lot of the stars would go and uh to relax or to meet their mistresses or, or meet hookers and stuff like that <laughs> all along that like sense. burbank area and apparently um one of the biggest uh uh stars well, I don't, who patronize these motels and bring bring mistresses or meet up with hookers you never would think this but a guy named don knotts Don Knotts, yeah. okay. <laughs> Why wouldn't you think that? <laughs> well, well, Don yeah, seems like a player, that. man. Come on. Well, he, you know, he was he was the famous Barney Five, who uh, I think Re Renee reminds me a lot of Barney Five. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I thought you were going to because he carries one bullet around. Yeah. 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 That's right. Uh, and he, he was also the guy who took. <laughs> He was also the guy who took over for Mr. Roper on Three's Company when Norman Feld decided not to do the show anymore. And, oh, that, and, and during that time, Don Knotts was famous for going to these motels during the late 70s, early 80s. Ah, okay. You know? I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So. That makes well, sense. Well, Manny, 
Manny, should we uh, take a little pause right now and get another cocktail? Well, I have my flask. I can go take a bathroom break and I'll be back. Yeah, let's do that and we'll be right back. And we're back. Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coleman. Back with our guest, Mr. Casey McAllister. So, Manny, we have a uh, sponsor that, that's been uh, treating the show right, treating the Trouble Nation right. You want to tell the folks about it? Yeah, well, of course, I think the nation already knows, and maybe this is going out to the nation and, and the new listeners that we have. It's right. the Velo Bar. The Velo yes. Bar, Renee. Yes. You know about the Velo Bar. I do. Yeah. Velo Bar CBD, you're talking yes. about. It's a CBD bar. It's a yes. CBD protein bar, mm-hmm. and uh, it's got 25 milligrams of CBD per bar. It's a perfect dose to take the edge off whatever you're dealing with right now. And of course, we're dealing with a lot of shit going on. You know, who doesn't need stress relief right now? The whole goddamn world's freaking out. This Velo Bar is a plant-based protein bar from healthy superfood ingredients like pumpkin seeds, hemp hearts, and chia seeds. And I tell you, I'm into them, man. I am into them. Uh, There's two beautiful flavors. There's a peanut butter and a dark chocolate flavor. And it's, it's, it, I find it really good after uh, doing a lot of like yard work or something like that, you know, because I'm okay. an old man. I'm an old right. man. And, and uh, you know, I, I do some yard work and I really feel it the next day. Uh-huh. So I, I do some yard work and I, uh, you know, I take a shower and uh, I, 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 I eat a Velo bar and I feel much better. Okay. Not, not instantly. But, right, but it's got to metabolize. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So right now, and I think this this deal is going to go on for a long time. You okay. can go to velobarcbd.com and order, and you'll get fifteen percent off if you use the promo code TroubledMen15. That's TroubledMen15. Get fifteen percent off, and Renee, of course, always what's there. Free. The shipping is free, man. Free shipping, Renee. Free yes. shipping. Yes. So, Nation, you know what it's about. Get out there. Uh, get some Velo Bars. Free shipping. 15% off with the promo code TROUBLEMAN15. You'll enjoy it. You really will enjoy it. Yes, so, yes, uh, yes. Treat the sponsor right. Yeah. And and as always, you know, if you want to support the Troubleman podcast directly, you can uh, jump on that uh that link there in the show notes and uh, the paypal.me slash troubled men podcast. And you, know, you can buy us cocktails, uh, buy us another uh, month uh, on the, uh, the hosting service and uh, you know, buy yourself a cocktail as well. Right. Um, Tell me, when are they so, going to come out with the, uh, the THC version of that? Uh, well, uh, that's a good question. I, I think maybe he might branch out, you know, at some point in some of these states, and hopefully the the whole nation is going to be going uh, uh, pro THC. So it's you know, about time. Gotta, yes, Especially it is right. about time. It's becoming yeah. urgent, I believe, by the minute. Well, well you know, of course, Louisiana is always a, a couple, we'll be the last. Yeah, we'll be the last <laughs> to do that. But it's funny you bring that up, Casey, because uh, my my friend, who uh, is the guy who started the whole Velo Bar thing. He texted me uh, earlier today, and I was at work on a conference call, and he texted me. He says, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. Well, they have some special bars just for the insiders? Uh, I don't know what it's about yet. I said, Can't, I'm on a conference call. Can we talk like in an hour? He said, no, I'm on a conference call in an hour. So we're supposed to, we're supposed to talk to each other tomorrow night. So there might be some big news coming up for the nation 
as okay. far yeah. as uh, you know all Let's that. Let's loop back when we hear about that. That'd be great. Yeah, definitely. Bring the Troubled Men podcast nationwide here with Stella uh, Bar. <clears throat> um, let's see. So we were we were talking about uh, these bands, and and we'd mentioned Jimmy Horn pressing you into Special Men, but you were talking about we skipped over Jimmy Horn. Oh um, no, man! Didn't Jimmy Horn me, is Jimmy Horn is uh, quite a character, is he not? <laughs> he is definitely. Yeah. And how how long did you play in that band for on and off? Oh, I don't know. Like I'm bad at years. I, I mean, yeah, okay. it seemed like it was about two years, but I think I, I think it was like five years. Or yeah. Something. <laughs> um, Who's it was Jimmy great... Horn? I don't know who Jimmy Horn is. Who is he? Well, Jimmy, Jimmy Horn, Horn is a guy that I would see around clubs, and uh, you know, it seems like oh, that guy. And then turns out, well, he has this uh, this band I kept hearing about, uh, Special Men, you know, King James and the Special Men. Like kind of throwback uh, old best, school. Uh, best times I've ever had playing music in front of people yeah. is in that band yeah. for sure. Yeah, and that's a, another band that kind of started off uh, in a, a kind of uh, grassroots kind of way and built up a big following and built up like a solid core group of musicians that uh, had, that you were amongst. Yeah, some of my favorite players that I, I, I never would have pictured myself playing with, but always would have. Uh, you know, guys who I've really looked up to uh, and still do. And, it, it, you know, Luke Allen called me and was like, man, Jimmy needs a piano player. They're going to start the special men back up. And my man, Chris Davis, played drums in that band. Uh, right. I, lo I love Cakewalk, uh, Showtime. I love Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I uh, love playing with Chris as well. And Chris, you guys had a residency at, uh, at BJ's. Is that when you were playing there? BJ's. BJ's, yep. yes. Uh, part of the Barmuda Triangle. Uh, and <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, and he was like, man, you know, yeah, I was like, man, uh, I'll call Jimmy, you know, whatever. And I talked to Jimmy, and Jimmy's like, uh, yeah, man, uh, come come play a piano Monday night. And I'm like, well, wait, you got a song list for me or something? He's like, it's all, it's all eight bars, man. And I'm like, uh, all right, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a two and a six here, there, yonder, but oh, oh yeah, right on, let's do it. You know, uh, y'all want to, he's like, just, he goes, what it, he said, he goes, bruh. And then there was the longest silence I've ever had on the telephone. <laughs> and he was like, just show up Monday, man. And I showed up. I showed up. He's like, uh, somebody else might want to sit in too. And I showed up and I played like a set. And then my man, Earl Sciano, uh, the mad wicked, um, is also one of my favorite people. He He's a piano player. He showed up too. And he was like, hey, man, can I go? Uh, and I, I wouldn't let him sit down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm having too much fun, man. This is great. I ended up letting him sit in like weeks later. I think he might have sat in that night, but I, I, if I did, I was like, uh, you know, two songs, man. That's it. Keep it short. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, you know, because it was there was still smoking in bars at that time, and I was, you know, was a smoker, and okay. uh, you know, it was a shitty upright piano. It was like basically kind of in, the band had to tune to the piano, and it still uh -huh. wasn't really, you know, from one end to the other. Uh, so that was fun. And it's like, I remember I, there was two keys that were cross strike and I had to shove a knife in the, in the board between those keys to make sure that they could be each played. So like, <laughs> that's the, that's the deal. Show up, get a whiskey and then like shove a knife in the piano and make sure you're not ashing on the bass player and you're good. Um, okay. I loved it, man. And, and yeah. 
That's quite a scene over there that they had for for a bunch of years, man. It's beautiful, I don't know if man. Still still going on, but uh, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely an, an institution. For sure. So you sure. mentioned you mentioned a lot of bars or clubs that aren't around anymore, like Cafe Brazil, and uh, what was Rio's place that you mentioned? Oh, the Matador, Matador yeah. yeah, the Matador. Uh, all these places are gone. They have so strange. Yeah. Uh, well, BJ's is still there, is it not? I have no idea. I don't go out. Yeah, it is. Did they have music there anymore? Maybe not. I'm it not is. sure. I think that might have been part of why uh, bands started moving away from there. But I know after the special men left, uh, Ryan Scully was doing something there. Okay. All right. It's uh, not my neighborhood. I, you know, I have to stay on the other side of Canal Street. Like for me to go over there, it's like me right. going to Slidell. So, you know, it's a you get the bands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have to run the gauntlet on the way you back know, home. You know, downtown. I, I, everybody I, always there's always that thing downtown people say when they have to cross Canal. Like I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a nosebleed going up there. That's uh, very curious because I know uh, for a lot of people, and I'm not from here, but for a lot of people like who live. Um, Canal Street is that one street that they don't want to cross over. Like for, you know, for Renee, you just said, you don't like to go on that side of Canal Street unless you have to. And I know so many people who live on that side of Canal Street who don't want to go on the other side of Canal Street. You know, man, for me, man, you know, after the storm, I left for the storm for a year. And when I came back, uh, my wife moved here. Well, she wasn't my wife then, but uh, we moved back and, uh, we moved to an attic apartment on Barone Street in the CBD, uh-huh. which was real interesting for me because before the storm, I was living in the quarter. Right. Uh, and so we moved to the and and I, I caught Canal Street from a different angle. Um, and then living in the Bywater for years, it was always like, I don't know, man, it's not so much like for, for us, at least. It wasn't so much like of a crossing. It was just. The way the city's laid out, man, you got to deal with traffic in the CBD. You got to deal with, you know, I you, know, you but know, further up the Superdome and the train station and all it just fucks up everything, you know. Uh, so you either like bowl through the middle of it or you have to like go like mid city and go around or something, you know. No, but, the, I mean, being from Los Angeles where everything takes 45 minutes to get to, I mean, he, this is nothing. Uh, we're spoiled. No, it's, yeah. this, is, this, this is because is we're not, spoiled. No, this so. sucks, man. Los Angeles just sucks more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like... It, it, Plus, it, y'all have good roads in Los Angeles. Well, man. that's true. That's, that's true. true. That's very true. The roads yeah. here stink. You know? But, you know, every time we have to go to L.A., it's always like... Uh, you know, you know how you like, Renee, you'll, you'll know this. Like, when you're touring or whatever, a lot of times, like... Uh, when you're when you when you're in like New York or Los Angeles or one of these main cities, your your singer, your main always has to do other stuff. So you always have a couple of days off when you get to these big. So we hung out in Los Angeles that way a lot, and I hated Los Angeles for the longest time. And the way what led me to learn how to love Los Angeles was like just don't get in a car, whatever yeah. neighbor, whatever neighborhood you're in that you're staying in, just do that. Stay there. Just don't yeah. consider, don't, don't think I'm in LA, think I'm in, you know, whatever neighborhood and just figure out that neighborhood. And then what you end up with is you end up with, you know, you're going to do it a few times a year. You end up with friends in that neighborhood and you end up, you got my, that's my coffee shop, you know, like right, right. the whole bit. Um, it, and so, yeah, I don't like the same things about both places. Hmm. 
Yeah, you know, having to drive along, it's it's not Canal Street so much. It's just I use that as a symbol because, like, you it's know, the middle it, of the whole it, bullshit. Right. So it's but it's not just crossing the street. It's crossing all yeah. the city in between on either side of that to get from the entertainment district uptown totally. to and the to the entertainment district in the Bywater. That's, and now it's even it's, worse because all these new businesses in the CBD and stuff. You know, or they're shooting a movie. You're like, yeah, I don't know. Just such a pain. Right, right, right. Well, you don't want to get caught out there with the cops. You know? That's what I. <laughs> but um, thinking. I, 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 we lived on Bartholomew Street in the Bywater for a long time, uh, seven years, and then Louisa, you know. But uh, I love living down there, man. Yeah. You're um, uptown, then. Is that the deal? You're not like uh, out there with Joe on the lake. No, no. I'm. I've, I've been living uptown for uh, uh, you know, twenty five years or something. Yeah, yeah. Right Carrollton area. Fancy. Um, yeah. Well, not so fancy. It's just. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, it's where I, where I've been living. Um, so so you were, so uh, fancy. You you were mentioning uh, uh, Langhorn Slim. Yeah, and that's a guy. Now you're in Charlottesville, Virginia, right now. I am. Correct? You've been yeah. living there for a few years. No, I've been living here since last July. Oh really? Okay, okay. More recent, right? Yep. Now is Langhorn Slim. That's not a, a a guy I was real familiar with, but apparently he's a, he's a very successful. Uh, artist and and you've been playing with him for a number of years for a number of years langhorn's great man langhorn's a, he's the dude um i you know uh he is originally from langhorn pennsylvania uh okay. and of slight uh weight measurement but um he's in nashville now uh but um i just i knew him from kind of around we had played together we did one of these uh at newport folk fest they have these after shows at theaters and whatnot around and mm-hmm. uh this one they they put they put a bunch of people backstage they say this songwriter this songwriter this band that band whatever and instead of saying your band goes on now your band goes on now your band goes on now what they do is they just put everybody backstage with a bunch of booze and snacks and stuff uh and then they say uh all right uh loosely this is what happens uh every five minutes somebody's got to go up and play and and they kind of have it mapped out who's going to be when but the rest of the night there's just all these people that never get to see each other or maybe don't even know each other Bex, like one year it was like us and pokey lafarge and and, and like uh 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 joaquin phoenix and some other like all hanging out okay. backstage and it, and you know uh langhorn was just kind of um i didn't know him that night but he he was just kind of this like sort of like loosey-goosey kind of dude and i'm like man uh, I'll play piano. You want you want to go? You want to play by yourself? I'll play piano. And he was like, and there was an old upright piano up there, and he was like, uh, sure, yeah, I guess so. Great, you know. And I didn't. Last time I saw the theater, it was empty. I didn't realize there was going to be like a thousand people or something out there. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, like we're just sitting in, like you play a song, okay, and then we go out there, and it's like this thing. And so uh, we we played together that way, and then um, I had a really good time. And then later on, when um, I was sort of when I realized I I could no longer play with Ray for the Riffraff. I was um I I I somebody hit me to the fact that he was he needed a keyboard player and uh, I remembered like I, I wasn't even that familiar with his music but I liked hanging out with the guy and mm. so and you know how that is that's right nine tenths of the gig so I was like uh, I called him up you know but nice, super sweet man. guy and he's hung out in New Orleans a good bit since then actually we recorded. Oh, okay. This record that's not out yet that uh, will be out eventually, I hope. Um, we recorded that at Dockside down in Lafayette. 
so oh, cool. Yeah. He's, he's so just sliding down. from one from one act to the next. I love that. That's very I, great. I, I literally moved at, at, at it was either Hardly Strictly or one of those San Francisco one of those festivals that's in the park. Uh, it was either Hardly Strictly or the other one. Uh, one one band was finishing a run, and Langhorn's band was in the middle of a run, and I literally took my stuff from one backstage tent and moved it to the other. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's some real, some real road dog shit there, Casey. Where, where was, uh, are you living, Casey? Where are you living? In Charlottesville. North Carolina? Uh, Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. How was well, yeah, that? It's cool, man. My, uh, you know, I haven't gotten out a lot. As soon as we moved here, I started working on this movie. And I have a way of when I'm doing these these movie soundtracks. Uh, and this one was particularly fun. You know, sometimes you just have to, like, do what it takes, get it out of the way as quickly as possible, and, and make it as good as you can. You know, this one, though, the filmmaker has a great personality. It's this guy, Bo McGuire. And um, it looked like it was going to be a lot of fun to work on. So I sort of, like, strapped in at the beginning of it and just became a studio hermit, played all the parts, and, you know, uh, for, like, months. And right when we came out of that... Uh, the film immediately pretty much went to Tribeca, but right when we came out of that, it was COVID-19. And so we were on lockdown and I'd kind of been under self-imposed lockdown for about three or four months at that point. Anyway, working on this movie. Wasn't West Virginia one of the last States to like admit uh, that there was a COVID-19 though. I don't, I think, I don't know what it was in West Virginia and Virginia governor Northam has been really cool throughout the whole thing. Uh, The, the, to the extent that I've paid any attention at all to, to how politicians handle this thing. Um, I've been really happy with him. Okay. Uh, but well, West so, Virginia, I have no clue. I'm in Virginia. So. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Well, so you've played in all these like neo-traditionalist folk, uh, Americana bands, and then also like a strain of R and B bands that you've, you've done a lot of work with, but then you, uh, you wind up playing with Peter Murphy, doing some work with him. God, so, yes. How does that come about? And uh, um, so, Bauhaus. Uh, well, before any of these bands that we've even talked about, when I was back in Baton Rouge, like when I was in my late teens, early twenties, like I used to play with these sort of like heavy, very loud, sort of gothy bands. Okay, really. And playing that guitar. Was, yeah, through like a stack, you know, like okay. the whole like um and when i was in high i mean i used to love peter murphy well then we started having these and i was big bauhaus you know some well i knew they're you know the obvious bauhaus songs and then we were uh stephanie and i had these parties all the time at the house and this uh, what i loved about him was it was always a strange collection of people we would end up with that everybody kind of knew each other but maybe kind of didn't you know and we sort of got way into that aspect of it um and um uh jody and andrew started coming to these parties um and jody is uh peter murphy's booking agent they live in minneapolis now st paul uh and um peter needed he was about he was supposed to do they ended up getting postponed like three or four times which is a huge controversy in the peter murphy fan world uh but uh he needed what he does is he has a band drummer bass player guitar player peter uh, bass players also the bass player also plays violin and is the, kind of the band leader his name is emilio immensely talented man um and 
they usually just run keyboard parts on playback, which seems weird because it's such a synthy band, but that's exactly why. It's all, all of the Peter Murphy, there might be 30 keyboard tracks on a song wow. and then guitar, bass, and drums. So even if you are playing live, you're gonna have to like figure out some kind of way to handle all this other stuff, whether you're running samples or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would just do that. Uh, but they had this residency coming up in San Francisco uh, where they were going to do every record cover to cover, you know? And so he only had playback for like certain songs. So Andrew said, can you, he, I mean, they came to the, they were a party guy. They always would see the studio at the house and all the synths and everything. And he'd be like, you know, man, uh, Peter Murphy, you think you could do like, you could recreate the synth parts from the, is that something that you could do at all? You know, like he didn't even know he's like bringing Uh up my deep history. And I was like, uh, I totally did not think I could, but I said, are you kidding me? I'm the only person that can do that. <laughs> and so uh, so then I ended up with, it took us a long time because that's a lot of records and that's a lot of synths. So I ended yes. up I ended up with Emilio and Peter on like an open line and Peter's in Istanbul. So the time difference is really weird. Uh, I ended up with open, open line, man, just texting them at all hours of, you know, every day and just doing nothing every day for months com- consisted of like drink coffee go into the studio like uh work on these synth parts and then it was like re-recording peter murphy right. albums you know right right i mean literally might be 30 parts there might be two parts on one song but there might be 30 on another and then uh so and then sleep for two hours and then do it again you know um and over the course of that we all became pretty good buddies uh and then peter's like well, why don't you just come and play on some shows and I said, I'd love to, but the only, the, what they had on the books and it wasn't original shows, but almost kind of even cooler was we've got these Bowie tributes where we're just going to play nothing but Bowie songs all night um, with playing Bowie songs with Peter Murphy. Uh, right. Like how much fun does that sound? <laughs> Kinky. Yeah. 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 So what's, uh, what's he doing in Istanbul? Man, uh, from all I can tell, his texts are kind of hard to read, but uh, from all I can tell, man, he's uh, living the good life, dude. I mean, he's got a, you know, great family of these women that are all around him. His his wife is a ballerina and uh, she's involved with the ballet really heavily there. Um, And um, I met one of his daughters, Yuri, who's a great singer. Um. And uh, yeah, man, he's he's up there surrounded by these ladies and drinking wine and hanging out. Uh, oh. I don't know, uh, and 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 writing texts that are completely unparsable. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, there's like all these like stories about sort of how um, hard to get on with. I guess he is, or how mercurial, and I guess he is. But I don't know, man. He's real. He's got a great sense of humor. That's the thing that stands out. Like uh, I've been. The thing that I've loved working with Peter about is he's he's really funny. Nice. nice. Yeah. We just and earlier, then, early, uh, well, I guess it's been about a year. We did some, we did the Bowie shows again in New York. Well, but, you and I, the, the last time we played together was was uh, doing the Bowie tribute here that Carlo. Oh, yeah. And, I. and that was a mountain of, of keyboard parts that you and Bill Malchow uh, handled between the two of you. And I remember 
you know, looking back there and thinking, God damn, you guys are doing a good job on all that stuff. That's a lot and, of material, man. You guys are. <laughs> and Danny Magoo was also involved yes, there. Yes, um, yes, Danny was whether there. he ended up not playing a whole lot of the keys parts live, but in the run up to that show, Bill and I and Danny were on an email thread, I think almost before a lot of other people became involved um, sure. about working out the keyboard parts because you know, a lot of people that aren't familiar with keyboards and what they actually, the roles that they act, because keyboards do keyboard parts, which are like, you know, electric pianos, pianos, organs, synthesizers, but also tend to cover things like strings and right. and anything that you don't have otherwise. Well, we had strings, so we don't have to worry about that. But on Bowie records, sometimes you've got real strings and sometimes you've got synth strings. And yes. is, it an, is it an ARP uh selena string machine is it a you know what is it and right. we wanted oh, yeah. to have these strings on bowie records these <laughs> strings yes yeah. we wanted to get all that really accurate you know we wanted to use real strings when it was real strings and string machines when it was string machines and, and, and all that and so uh we ended up kind of working in a weird way of uh kind of arranging the rest of the band from that core a little bit, not not all of it. Like you know, uh -huh. it, anybody that tries to tell Tim what to play on guitar is is foolish because the man's a genius, you know. Right, right, right. But, well, yeah. Well, once once that we had the core of, of of those keyboards, you know, everybody knew you know how to how to play their parts around them. That's the it was going to have the sound of the record. Yeah, the th you know what you know what had that effect on me was when Mike Dillon showed up at the gig and and like on Let's Dance the percussion, right? It sounded like Let's Dance before then, but when he did that, I was like, okay, this I have to play better now. You know, this is like this is a different world. Like that is exactly what's happening. It was so weird. Well, yes, so the whole that that whole. Uh, uh, group of musicians was that kind of thing where everybody was yeah. trying to raise their game because everybody else was playing so well. Sure. The, the the material is so sacred to to everyone there, you know. It's like oh, okay, I know, I man. I felt like a punk rock. I, I, you know, I showed up and I'm like, uh, I, yeah, I just felt sloppy, man, because everybody was so good and it was such a cool thing. But I, I remember even Carlo told me about it, Dylan. He's like, ah, man, when Dylan gets here, everything's gonna be different, man. You know, <laughs> it totally was too. He's pretty intense. Mike is Mike Dillon's pretty intense guy. Love man, that guy, sure. man. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, Casey, yeah. do does uh, Carlo owe you money? No, I think I owe Carlo money actually. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So this Carlo's been very cool about it too. I oh, you. okay. Well, that's good. Uh, so <laughs> this Bowie thing. When was this? I don't. I don't recall this at all. When was this? Renee. When was that? It was uh, it was like a year after Bowie had passed away. It was uh, and had some unfortunate timing. It was the the performance was the day that they had the second line for Prince died. Oh yeah, we and were actually in. Were you there at the rehearsal when the Prince news came in? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was. And everybody was took crazy. a break, man. Yeah, it was, it was nuts, man. So yeah, it was right in the in the wake of that that the performance happened and. It, uh, it was, uh, it was at the civic, which is always can, can be a weird place to try to sell to a yeah. local bunch of people, you know, and, uh, yeah, it was a great performance and, uh, you know, I would say, I wish more people had been there. There was a lot of people there. That was a legendary new Orleans uh, show, man. And, and, and I feel like it, because of those circumstances, it kind of got lost, you know, like, uh, right. It was the the 
my fa- all of my f- well most of my favorite new orleans players were on it that you n- people that you never see in the same place right. uh playing these songs that we all love everyone you know and and i don't know i i felt like that that's a show that should have went down in history man right um, right you know when when carlo called me about it i initially my initial reaction was like uh, it was like weighty. It's weight on my chest. Like, oh, you know, like this material is so sacred to me. It's like, are we really going to expose ourselves to this? Do I want to get involved in the something that would possibly be a letdown for me, or you know, would be I would be God, God forbid, embarrassed about? And I thought, well, if I say no, I'll never forgive myself. Yeah, there, there were like two or three Bowie tributes that I didn't do because of that. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but Carlo was sure. like, Carlo started telling me everybody else he was calling. I, you know, I might have even, I think, I think I got in touch with him. I, I think Car- I, I saw him posting about it and he was posting about some other people. Yeah, that's what it was. And I was like, wait, this guy's playing on that and this is playing on that. And I was like, man, I, I said, if you don't let me on this, we're going to have right, trouble. Right, right. <laughs> um, and Carl, you know, I, 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 I've had uh, I, I got nothing but good stuff to say about Carlo, man. I, oh yeah, no, we all love Carlo. We 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 um, we kid we kid Carlo, man. And, Manny and Carlo go way back to their L.A. days together. Oh, that's great, really. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. At the old um, <laughs> Raji's, Raji's, and yeah, he still owes us. He owes me money, but he'll never admit it. But so maybe wow. I should just give you money. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the te- the tenth step that he's never done. Yeah. Maybe I should just pay you. No, hey, listen, I heard you gave Renee some donuts, and I never saw a donut. Well, they were here for you, Manny, and I told you about them. But you, I kind of say they're all. Well, gone. yeah, you told Man, me. Look. You told me a week later. So how much? How good are week old donuts? I, uh, I, I had a hard enough time finding Renee's address, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, in, in all honesty, I'm the one that was saying the nice things about you on the podcast, bro. But I, I did save some some uh, donuts for you. Um, it, was, uh, it was particularly delicious. nice, man. You know, usually, like, it was like hearing somebody talk about you behind your back. And <laughs> I, I always, uh, I think we all do this. Maybe we don't. I, I don't know. You always expect, like, you know, if somebody's going to talk about you when you're not listening, they're going to be honest. And Lord knows we don't want to hear that, you know, uh, and, and it was like, Oh, all right, Dan brought me, here we go. You know? Like, uh, and, but it was all, it was, all, I was, uh, I was moved, man. It was so nice. So, um, so I, I always think I piss everybody off, so I don't know. I, I, oh, no, 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 not at all. No, you're well, but you know, but you know, you do that, right? Like you, yeah. Sure, so sure. anyway, I'm like, God damn it. This is going to cost me. Um, Uh, (laughs) it was was a very old school move i I was saying i wanted to send you a telegram to try to one up you in the oh that'd be great i wish that you would Uh, turned out it turned out to send a telegram as about 45 dollars. so i thought well maybe i'll just send you a text instead (laughs) or a check that would be better okay Um, it's too cheap to send a telegram mom says you should always send somebody a a fruit basket but fruit baskets just seem kind of lame well, the, the, the coffee and donuts was great. Plus, um, Tommy, Tommy that has the coffee science over there. Tommy is one of also one of my favorite New Orleans people. So I got to Okay. Shout out to uh, coffee science. Right on Tommy. Yeah. Tommy Oliver. He, he's also a great drummer. He played keys in the Royal Pendletons. Um, oh, okay. 
Oh yeah, right, right in our circle here. Totally. Well, so so the 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 last thing to touch on is is your your you mentioned that your film scoring career. Another thing you you just you, you kind of uh, you know angled your way in on and flourished in. So and you you've worked with these guys, the Ross brothers, on a, a few films yeah. now. And yeah. how are those guys? You love those guys? It's, well, uh, I do. They they got me mixed up in this. So I was playing in uh, the uh, Rory Danger and the Danger Dangers uh, okay. with Aurora Nealand and yes. uh, Aurora Nealand. Casey Coleman was in that band. Casey Coleman is a uh, like a Court Thirteen guy at the time, and he had they were making uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild uh, oh, while wow. we were in that band together. Well, they had finished making it, and it was going through the film the the festivals and stuff. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I knew that Casey worked on movies and whatnot, but I just, you know, film student guy is what I thought. <laughs> he kept saying this crazy thing they were making. And I'm like, Oh yeah, uh, but it's real crazy. And then he's like, and then he's like, Oh wow, this happened. And we're like, you won that. And then he's, and then they're winning like Oscars. And then you're like, Holy yeah. shit. Um, so then Casey sent me, or he sent a, uh, email to the whole band said my our, my friends the ross brothers are working on this movie and they need somebody to replace this temp music uh which was oh i forget i forget the artist it was this uh but anyway um does that sound like it's in anybody's wheelhouse and i was like i'd love to give that a shot because for a long time i'd been making this weird music instead of playing video games i'd just make weird shit that nobody ever heard okay. and uh i was like i'd love to give that a shot and I did. And that was 10 years ago. And we've made uh, three or four more movies since then. It's, just, wow, man. it's been really Good awesome. And uh, that's unfolded to other people and other filmmakers. And, you know, I've, I've done like seven, I think, full length films, feature lengths. And the power of saying yes. Exactly. Never underestimate it. Never underestimate what it can do for saying, your life. Saying yes to something you're not even sure you can pull off, you know. Right, 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 right. <laughs> that ends up being like your favorite thing. It ends up being like, oh wait, I can just like sit here in the studio and make a bunch of noise, and you know. Um, but it has turned out to be something that I think I have somewhat of a knack for, uh, and you know, it's a, an awful lot of fun to do. And now I don't have to have an excuse to buy like a new drum kit. Uh, which is my new favorite thing. So okay, just assembling equipment. So you you have your yeah. studio and in your house there, and you have you, all your toys. You get to uh, to go and play with. That's the deal, man. That sounds idyllic, Casey. Completely. Hey, okay, Renee. We just, uh, go yes, ahead. Man. Go ahead, Casey. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say the the thing I just finished with. Uh, well, actually, we have a the film with the Ross brothers uh, that I, last thing I did. Bloody nose, empty pockets. That comes out. <laughs> Great title. That comes out next month on July 10th. Uh, that is the last 24 hours of this uh, dive bar in Vegas, um, the Roaring Twenties. Um, and then the movie that I just finished with Bill McGuire. Oh, that sounds exciting. It's yeah, really yeah. good. It's it's a dive. It's 24 hours in a dive bar. It's a July yeah. 17th. You said July 10th. I believe I, there 10th. might. I don't know if that's like a pre-release or by, okay. it, around then. It's coming then the out. Bo Bloody nose, empty pockets. Yeah, and the the Bo McGuire joint is um called Socks on Fire. It's a beautiful story. But that we just took. A, I don't know when that's going to be released or anything. We don't know all that yet. But it, we just took top honors at Tribeca. Wow, um, man! Congratulations. Yeah, so uh, we're real excited about that one. 
He's got another one that I really want to do, but he's not started yet. It's like a gospel singer, like a horror. There's a Satan. I don't know. It sounds like fun. All right. Listen, Casey, Renee, uh, the ring room is closing down. I got to get out of here. Yes, this is when they kick us out, Casey. Great. Well, thank you for coming on, Casey. It's a it's some great, great, great stuff to tell the troubled great nation. Stuff. Yes, great stuff. It was a pleasure meeting you over the internet and you maybe as well, Mayor Manny. Yeah, thank you, sir. Maybe you'll uh, maybe you'll write my uh, uh, the, the soundtrack to my life one day uh, if I'm lucky. <laughs> All right. Uh, like we say in the nation, uh, what, what is it, Renee? What do we say? Uh, we like to say, trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. So good night. Good night. Good night.